This is episode 131 with Chris Betcher. Welcome to the Pursuit of Happiness podcast. I am your host, Ryan McGuire. And if you are in pursuit of your own happiness, this is the podcast for you. Join me along my own journey in finding happiness as I cover topics such as health, wellness, mindset, travel, adventure, dating, relationships, and so much more as I interview some of the most passionate and successful people in the world. And I am super excited to bring to you today Dr. Chris Betcher, physical therapist, has also completed the Ironman 10 times. Not one, not two, not three, but 10 times. Also a father of three as well, and an entrepreneur in opening his own business with health and fitness and mindset that we're going to get into today. I've been following Chris for some time now on Twitter, which I guess you can say is now X, but he's such an amazing follow. I will link his profile in the show notes. I highly suggest you follow him. The information he posts daily is amazing. And he actually makes it really easy to understand and follow, which is why I had to have him on this podcast because I wanted to dive into so many of these posts about health and fitness and mindset and bringing them all together to set yourself up for success and living your optimal life. And you're damn right, we talked about all those categories because they all play such an important role on our health and our happiness. And if you complete an Ironman 10 times, you know I have to ask you what you're doing to succeed in life. I really want to know his mindset and what in the world is in his pantry and how is he eating and how is he recovering after these brutal workouts and exercises. I absolutely love conversations like this because I get to ask all the minute details about how they live their lives and what we can take from their example and bring into our lives on a daily basis. So get ready to learn a lot, get inspired, and then apply this information to your life because it'll be a game changer. So without further ado, here is Chris Betcher. Chris, what's happening? What's going on, Ryan? Uh, Excited to be here, brother. Thank you. Yeah, I'm happy to have you. I'm happy I found you on Twitter. You're just putting out the good stuff. Uh, I really look forward to talking to people with your mindset and your knowledge, experience, expertise, which is really good information that actually helps people, <laughs> like legit helps people. Um, I'm interested to get to know your story. Uh, I really want to know some more advice and some of the some of that mindset and tips and advice that you put out consistently, basically on a daily basis. I was just scrolling through again today. I was like, such good stuff. I'm glad I follow you. So welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Ryan. Yeah, it's it's been kind of a whirlwind for me for sure. The uh kind of was the guy that wasn't interested in social media at all. And my brother and I, unfortunately, fortunately or unfortunately, however you want to to, to say it. Uh, now it's kind of just a part of our lives and, um, mm-hmm. yeah, just trying to, like you said, get out a, a clear, concise way to, to be a bit more healthy and, um, help a lot of people take control of their health because we, we got pretty beat and worn down in traditional healthcare and just trying to do something different now. Mm. I want you to describe yourself and what you do in just a moment, but so I have also that you 
finished the Ironman 10 times. Is that correct? 10? Yeah, I, um, I was kind of foolish in my in my younger <laughs> days. And uh, I ran some college track. And a friend of mine, after we finished up, was like, we should do a triathlon. Well, that very quickly at you know 22 years old, we convinced ourselves we could do an Ironman. And um, I had some success with it and got out to to Kona. And after that, I was pretty hooked for about six or seven years. So yeah, it was, it was a, a great time in my life and put a, put a lot of abuse through the system for sure. So is the Ironman always in Hawaii? So that's where the, the world championships are every year. Yeah. So they, they've, I think they've got eight or 10 of them in the U S and they're sprinkled all over the world. Um, and then the, you qualify to go out to the, the one in October out in Kona. Okay. I actually want to hit on Ironman real quick. For those that know what an Ironman is, but don't really know what an Ironman is, can you please explain to the people like what exactly the Ironman is? Sure. Yeah. So you have, you have 17 hours to finish a 2.4 mile swim, a 112 mile bike, and then a 26.2 mile marathon at the end. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, you start, you start at the crack of dawn and you basically have till midnight to finish. Wow. When did you run your first one? Uh, back in, oh man, you're gonna make me do some, uh, 2010, <laughs> 2010 was my first one. Okay. And so how many times did you go to Kona for that compared to uh, other locations? Yeah, I was out there three times. So I, I raced, uh, three times out there and then kind of sprinkled in throughout most of the U S, uh, Idaho and Wisconsin and Louisville, Kentucky, uh, where else did I race? Um, Montreal Blanc Canada, which was a, a fantastic place for anybody, you know, whether you're racing or not, it's just a beautiful area up, up north of Montreal. Um, probably one of my favorite races of all time was up there. Well, now I really want to talk to you at some point in this podcast about nutrition. I got to ask you when you're running one of these things, what do you do for nutrition? Yeah. So I always tried to kind of go in with the idea of 300 to 400 calories an hour was my sweet spot where I could, I could make sure I was refueling without getting too far out in front of myself and having my gut kind of lock up. So there's this balancing act of making sure we're maintaining enough calories, but also not eating too much that, you know, you get gut lock. And then at that point it's pretty much game over. So, mm. um, yeah, I tried, tried to basically practice everything I did on race days in all of my training. Um, that's one of the things that with some of the guys I work with, I talk a lot about is you never want to wing it on race day. You got enough, <laughs> enough variables already that, you want to take a lot of the guesswork out and feel comfortable with, with your, with your fuel strategy going in. So, um, yeah, so that, that's kind of, you know, it's a lot of finding what works for you and you got some guys that are out there eating peanut butter and jellies. Uh, you know, I tried to stick to a few more solids on the bike. And so I wasn't getting, you know, too terribly burned out with, mm -hmm. with gels and goos and Gatorade and all that stuff when it got to be time to get out on the run. That's awesome. I love knowing that stuff. And you're also a father of three, correct? Yeah, we've got a five-year-old, two and a half, a little monster, and then a five-month-old. So wow. we're, we're we're busy, but it's it's all, you know, they're great blessings every single day. Congratulations. That's incredible. And for somebody who is hopefully soon becoming a dad, we're looking into to doing that, starting a family. Uh, definitely got some questions for you as far as that goes, maybe like time management and how you find time to do what you got to do. I'm sure you deal with that a lot, especially you, I know you work with men a lot and I'm sure you work with fathers and that's probably something that comes up quite often, right? Is, is time management, how you do that? 
Yeah, hundred percent. And I think it's, you know, the natural reaction as the provider and the father and husband, we, we tend to self neglect. And that's sort of what, you know, my brother Brett and I are trying to get guys to, to recognize is that we don't need to neglect our health and neglect ourselves to, you know, be able to, to be a better version of ourselves. You know, if we can take care of our health and it doesn't have to be hours and hours in the gym, uh, you know, starting with a, a consistent and concise nutrition plan that we can, I would say, take the stress out of it, you know, putting breakfast and lunch on autopilot, so to speak, and mm -hmm. give yourself some more margin with dinner. Um, and that, you know, two or three workouts a week for 30 or 40 minutes for most guys is going to help move the needle. You know, we don't, we don't need to abuse ourselves, you know, day after day and add stress to an already pretty stressed out system, especially with, you know, new dads and sleepless nights and things like that. So mm. it's, um, it, it looks different for everybody, but I think it really comes down to, it's not as complicated or as overwhelming as what I think most people think. Um, and that once you can get some self-belief built back up again, you realize like I can do this and it doesn't really take a lot of, of time or energy away from everything else that I have going on. Yeah. I can't wait to dive into that just a little more, a little bit later, but I want to talk more about you, what you do and how you got to where you are today. I do know that you do a lot with preventative health, which I'm so into. I wish, I wish our system was set up to do that for us, but it's not. But I think people are starting to talk a little louder about preventative health with you being one of them. So let's talk about how you got to where you are today, what you do and the business that you and your brother set up. Sure. Yeah. So we, uh, you know, both of us went, you know, through the traditional healthcare routes and we both have our doctorates in physical therapy and, you know, came out guns blazing. We were going to change the world as PTs. And, you know, we just, we got into that and realized very quickly that unfortunately profits and time and, you know, Medicare reimbursement and all that stuff were really fighting against us. So, you know, we, we felt handcuffed that, you know, we'd have a 45 minute session and all they cared about was billable units. Um, couldn't have a conversation about stress, couldn't have a conversation about nutrition. And it just felt like we were spinning our wheels. And, you know, we had endless conversations about how many of these people are we actually helping? Because all they really cared about was, you know, have them do X number of sets of exercise and do a little bit of manual therapy and and when it comes down to it, if we're not addressing those things at a bigger level, when it comes to stress and nutrition, it doesn't matter what exercise you're doing. And so it just felt, it got harder and harder, to be honest, as I said, Medicare is cutting reimbursement. So the only way for companies to offset that is to see more patients, which means less hmm. patient focused care. And, um, and then I got into the home health side of things where it was very eye-opening because, you know, you're working with sicker patients who are coming home directly from the hospital and, you know, they're on 12, 15, 20 medications and, you know, you, you get 30 or 45 minutes in the home and the exercise side of it feels like the last thing that they should be worried about because they don't even know where their pill bottles are or what they're taking them for. And it was just like, what are we doing here? You know, none of this makes sense. And um, unfortunately, many of those patients you, you reach a point where the body's almost too broken to even respond to exercise, if that makes any sense. And um, yeah, so we started to just kind of put our, put some wheels in motion with recognizing that we were even neglecting our health in the healthcare system. I mean, you, you see this all the time, doctors and nurses and PTs, there's some of the most unhealthy professions out there because there's just so 
much stress and there's so much time commitment involved with it that, you know, we, we just neglect our health and we're not necessarily setting the examples that we need to be. So, yeah, I guess long story short, we just started focusing on our health, focusing on our nutrition again, recognizing that fathers are really kind of at the heart of if we want to move the needle with health and move the needle when it comes to just changing the world, we, we've got to create stronger, healthier fathers. And we saw that firsthand, how that played out with our families and realized, you know, these are guys that they want to get better. They just don't know how. And mm -hmm. so we can create some kind of community around that and an opportunity to give them a, a sustainable plan that doesn't take a lot of time or energy away from them, then, you know, we can, we can do some real damage and, and help some people restore their health and, and hopefully restore their families in the process. I love the mission. Um, so what do you usually tell your clients for perhaps step number one or step number two to get started? Yeah. So I think it, part of it is just recognizing that they can do that. So some of it is restoring some self to self, uh, excuse me, self-belief. Um, a lot of guys have just been very defeated with whether it's, you know, work, uh, travel, um, just unsustainable plans where they'll lose 10 or 15 pounds, hit a plateau, get frustrated. And then all of a sudden they're up 20 pounds. So just getting some momentum and helping them recognize that this isn't that hard, that if you can commit to this, stay accountable to us for even a couple of weeks, you're going to start seeing changes in the way you feel, your energy levels. And at that point, then we're kind of off to the races from there, because instead of having this, this negative reinforcing vicious cycle, we start to have some positive reinforcement. And that flips the whole cycle on its head where it's like, this makes me feel good for breakfast every day. This mm -hmm. is easy. This takes me five minutes. Why would I want to, you know, if I have a bad Friday night where I go out with friends or have a date night and have a couple of drinks, I know right what I'm going back to the next morning. So you're not stacking multiple losses. You immediately, you know, start stacking a win that very next morning. And I think that creates a lot of that sustainability is just knowing what to get back to. And if we fall off track, you know, having a couple of guys who are reaching out saying, you know, you're good to go, man. The, the, the scale went up this morning. You've got some water retention going on. And, you know, consistently those guys, when they get back on the horse, by the end of the week, they're back to new lows again. So it, it just kind of gets us out of that, that self-defeating process that um, a lot of guys fall into. Yeah. How do you get started with, with clients and flipping their mindset? Because it, you can't make them do this, right? You can give right. them the information, but making them do that is is completely different. How do you go about changing someone's confidence and mindset? Yeah, so I think there's multiple there's multiple ways to kind of attack this. As I said, a lot of it is kind of taking away those self-deprecating thoughts where, you know, we we do self-sabotage a lot with the things we tell ourselves. So, you know, we that's why we try to stay in contact daily because if mm -hmm. we can see what they're eating, we can see, you know, in terms of their check-ins with their weights is giving them that positive reinforcement so that, you know, it might take two, three, four days to start seeing progress. It's just that, that consistency of positive reinforcement, continuing with focusing on your inputs as opposed to, because the inputs aren't always going to show up on the scale right away. So mm -hmm. we need to be able to get past that point where they start to get some momentum. Um, so I'd say, you know, the, the self-deprecating thoughts, kind of trying to eliminate some of that stuff. And then also just, you know, we talk a lot about prioritizing sleep. We talk a lot about stress management because you know, the Western world, we've sort of disconnected that is it's, it's all about how hard you 
you exercise. It's all about what you eat. And I think we're missing the mark, especially when it comes to guys, because we're generally pretty stressed, but we just internalize all that stress. And so if it's okay, instead of getting up in the morning and scrolling your phone, just go walk for 10 minutes, go get some sunlight in your eyes. And let's, let's try to create a, another opportunity to continue to reinforce more of a positive input instead of that negative input. So it's, it looks different for everybody, but, you know, stress management, sleep, controlling your inputs, um, you know, even something as simple as we talk about taking time to reflect and like listen to your own thoughts where, mm. you know, everybody wants to listen to whether it's news or podcasts or social media, maybe you have a sales job and the only thing you need to do is turn everything off and just sit and drive from, you know, one client to the next for like 15 or 20 minutes in just silence. So you can figure out, you know, what the hell do I actually think? And what are my thoughts? And what are the thoughts that are just kind of being hammered into me every day? Because I'm just getting so much noise from the rest of the world. So mm. I think that's a I think that's a big piece of it is we just got to like, take some time to step back and just sit quietly, which is, I think, pretty uncomfortable for guys to do. But, you know, once you start to do it, you recognize how important it is day in and day out thousand percent that's one of my big i have a lot of strengths but it's one of my big biggest weaknesses is perhaps just sitting in quietness what are my thoughts um i end up doing a lot of great thinking as most people probably do like just during a drive when you're by yourself or you're in the shower i might be out walking the dogs whatever it's like a forced kind of moment uh with yourself in silence to think Think about the best way to attack life and what you wanted to do next and what your goals are. Definitely one of the hardest things I have going on in my life. And it's funny you say that. So the hat that I have on Element is a company that I actually started to work for recently. And they have there's a big blog article on their website. They do three weeks on, one week off, three weeks on, one week off for their work structure, which I thought was like, oh my God, this is the greatest thing ever. And it, it kind of is. It's amazing. But they really force you to sit with yourself during that week and assess everything going on in your life and at work and how you want to attack the next three weeks. And so it's a really cool process, kind of something of what you were just saying. Um, so I'm curious, what is like the most common issue that you'll see when people come to you and say, hey, I need help with X, Y, Z? What are the most common things that you see? I think number one is snacking is probably mm -hmm. the the mm -hmm. biggest thing and it you know it's mostly due to guys getting behind with their nutrition early in the day you know we've i don't want to bash on intermittent fasting but unfortunately it's created this idea that if we skip breakfast we're somehow successful no matter what we do the rest of the day and mm. it so you know they're like oh well I, i've been intermittent fasting since you know the last two years and so i don't eat my first meal until noon well, that's fine, but that doesn't mean you can eat whatever you want from noon until 8 p.m. And that's that's tends to be what happens is they get behind on on protein intake, they get behind on you know unstable blood sugar, and then they're just kind of chasing it all day long. So I think that's number one. And you know, then that becomes when your blood sugar is bouncing up and down all day long with the stuff you're eating, you're not gonna think clearly. So then you're gonna be making these like mindless eating choices and um, I think that just becomes very dangerous and kind of spirals from there. So I think that's number one. Um, and then I'd probably say this idea that somehow we can, I mean, you cannot 
work a bad diet. I think guys are the most guilty of that is, mm. you know, we're working hard sometimes five or even six days a week in the gym, but we just have no consistency with nutrition and no idea like what we're actually taking in day in and day out. And, you know, all that stress just builds on a system that's already stressed out. So, um, you know, we, we take a little bit different approach that active recovery is a big thing. You know, we should be focusing on core work. We should be focusing on those, those easy walks on those in-between days. Um, and then flexibility because, we don't need to be strength training six days a week. We don't need to be running six days a week. Like we we've got to find a balance with all that stuff. And if we can do that and pair that with a consistent nutrition program, most of the time guys hit a, you know, pretty significant inflection point in terms of the way they feel and you know how their body responds from there. Okay. So you hit on nutrition. So I'm going to hit on nutrition. We're going to keep diving into this. Um, all right. So you, you said like breakfast, right? I'm somebody who's done intermittent fasting off and on. I'm super interested in this stuff. So what's a good breakfast to you? What's the way to start the day? What do you eat? Yeah. So, I mean, I'm pretty simple. I got, I've got a couple options. Um, for me, it's all about efficiency. You know, I, I'm going to try to hit either at least my goal is at least 35 or 40 grams of protein with each meal. Um, that's kind of a, a baseline thing that we try to hit with most guys. And so I love Greek yogurt, to be honest, the Greek yogurt is my go-to. Um, I, I love throwing a little bit of, of protein powder in it. I love throwing a little bit of, uh, I get my, my peanut butter fixed from like a PB2. Um, and then, you know, you get some quality, some quality fiber to go along with that. So, you know, kind of any, any sort of mixed berry concoction, that's, that's my go-to because it takes me less than two minutes to throw that whole thing together. And, you know, depending upon if I want to bump it up or not, it's 50 grams of protein, like simple, easy. I can, I can get up, throw it together while I'm getting the kids breakfast, things like that. So, um, that's honestly my go-to every single day. Uh, and then, uh, every once in a while, I guess I'll mix it up with, with eggs or if I've got some, some decent, you know, leftover, uh, chicken or chicken thighs, things like that. Um, but most of the time I'm hitting my Greek yogurt. My, uh, my wife knows that if she's going to the grocery store and, she checks the fridge and there's less than three large containers of Greek yogurt. It's, it's time to stock up. So uh, we have like a whole shelf devoted to Greek yogurt. <laughs> I'm laughing because this is, this is the same thing that happens in my house. My wife consistently buys Greek yogurt and like two days later, we're out already. <laughs> it's like, well, every time I go to the store, I buy multiple containers of Greek yogurt. It's funny you say that. I literally just yeah, had she, that an hour ago too. <laughs> yeah. She goes into Aldi and now she doesn't even mess around with picking them up individually. She just, grabs the, the whole like it's like an eight pack or six pack of them and just throws them in the cart so yeah just <laughs> we're uh and, and now I, i've sort of probably created a little bit of a greek yogurt cult because now the two oldest kids are starting to want to make their own greek yogurt with me so we got our own little greek yogurt bar uh going on in the betcher awesome. house in the mornings that's awesome i honestly sometimes if i'm feeling like some kind of a dessert, but I don't really want to be guilty about it. I'll throw some Greek yogurt in after dinner with a little bit of honey, perhaps little berries in there. And it's like, it really takes care of my sweet tooth. And at the end of the day, I know it's like really actually beneficial for me. So I love my Greek yogurt too. And I know you said protein powder, kind of throwing this one at you without any preparation, but I'm curious. So I also take uh, protein powder throughout the day, once a day, maybe sometimes twice if I'm lifting heavy, lifting hard. Do you know about how much protein we should be getting from powder compared to actual like food sources? Yeah. I mean, I think in general, 
ideally we're getting the majority of it from whole foods. Um, mm -hmm. you know, we're not big on protein shakes for a number of reasons because, you know, if you think about it, if you're, even if the idea behind protein is slow, steady blood sugar, slow release of energy, if we're doing it with powder form all the time with, you know, milk or even water, it's just, it is going to absorb quicker. Um, mm -hmm. and you're not having to break it down the same way you would a steak, of course. So I like to think of it more as a way to supplement your, your diet as opposed to be kind of a primary form. Um, because I think even from a satiation standpoint, you know, you start your day with just a protein shake by 10 or 11 o'clock, you're probably going to be hungry. So, mm -hmm. and you start falling into the snacking and we, we start to get behind on satiation. And I think that can kind of spiral from there. So, um, you know, with, with things like travel days or, you know, you're, again, you go back to kind of being a salesman, you know, you run in, if you're going to the, the, to pick up, you know, gas or something like that, like a Fairlife shake in between, I think that's a decent option. It's something that can get you a little pick me up, get you some protein at a pretty low calorie count, but you know, you're not going to be eating muffins and chips, um, as you're, you're kind of scarfing your way down to get to your next client. So, you know, I, I, again, it's, it's more of, I don't necessarily think about it as being how much of it as much as we don't want it to be a staple of the diet. So mm. it can fill a gap, but it's not something that I want to try to hit, you know, every single day. And even with what I put in my yogurt, I'm only putting like quarter to half a scoop. I'm not even going to do a full scoop in there. Um, it's really just an added bump as opposed to being, you know, kind of the, the foundation of the meal, so to speak. Okay. How much protein do you try to get per day? Is it, would you say like one gram of protein per pound of body weight or do you try to exceed that? What are your thoughts? Yeah. I mean, so we usually, again, it's, it does go back to sustainability for most guys. Mm -hmm. So, you know, if most of them are coming in, they're maybe only getting 50 or 60 grams per day. And so to tell them, oh, you need to eat 150 or 175 grams a day. It, I think it's overwhelming to go from that yeah. number all the way up there. So we try to bridge the gap. Uh, we say, if you can hit 30, every single meal, you're going to hit triple digits every day. And then we can kind of work up from there. So, you know, for me, like, yeah, I'm trying to hit 175 to 200. Um, I'm, I'm a pretty lean guy. I always have been. So for me, I have to work to, to add muscle. So I try to, to give myself all the benefit I can. Um, but you know, I think that's a, I think, you know, you take 75% of your ideal body weight. I think that's a really good starting point, um, mm -hmm. that you can kind of work to, and then from there, you know, as your body leans out, if you decide, yeah, I want to try to be really intentional about, you know, I hate the word like bulk phase, but if you're really looking to bulk up, then yeah, we probably do need to bump it up a little bit further than that. But for the average person, just taking them from 50 or 60 to north of 100, 120, 140, they're going to feel 10 times better up there than they are down at 50 or 60. So it's, it's a bit of a, a transition phase and um, really just trying to be intentional about hitting it with every meal and making that the foundation of the meal um, versus, you know, we have a little bit of protein and then a pile of mashed potatoes or something like that, because, right. you know, you can, you can imagine what that's going to do to blood sugar and inflammation and all that. What are some other staples that you have in your pantry? You mentioned the Greek yogurt, which I fully, fully support. What else, what else do you usually do almost on a daily basis? Yeah. So, I mean, uh, I think eggs are great. I mean, you he hear it all over the place, but um, we could talk about cholesterol too, if you wanted, but, you know, I think they've gotten a really bad rap when it comes mm -hmm. to cholesterol. Whereas when you start looking at that HD or that triglyceride to HDL ratio, it's like 
eggs are actually shown to drive up the HDL and drive down triglycerides. So it's like, you know, we, we've sort of created this boogeyman there. Um, so I think, you know, some guys are afraid to have like more than two eggs at a time. And it's like, you know, you having a couple pieces of bread alongside two eggs is not necessarily helping you, but if we could bump that up where maybe it's stacking proteins with three or four eggs and, you know, another side of, of, you know, ground beef or ground Turkey from the night before, um, you know, now all of a sudden, again, we're North of 50 to start your day and you're going to feel a whole heck of a lot better with that than you are grabbing a pastry. Hmm. And what do you cook in? You mean as far as, uh, like you're talking about like a cast iron type thing. Is that what you're talking about? Um, like, uh, oils or butter or ghee. Like what do you cook in? What do you recommend? Yeah. So I use, I use plenty of butter, um, avocado oil, olive oil, um, generally stick to that every once in a while. If I have time, um, I'll make, uh, I'll, I'll do a little bit of my own bone broth. I've got, uh, some, some bones from the butcher. So every once in a while I'll get some ghee. That doesn't happen as often as I I'd like, just because, you know, it is a bit more time consuming. So I generally stick to the other three. Um, and then look, coconut oil as well. Those are, those are sort of my standard four or five that I go to. Got it. All right, cool. I seem to be doing well. I'm checking out some boxes here. Appreciate that. Um, Chris, I know you also help men lose weight, whether dad bod or not. Um, what are some comments, some advice, uh, when it comes to mindset on losing weight? Sure. So yeah, we kind of touched on this a little bit earlier. I think it's just trying to avoid the negative the negativity that goes along with it. Um, just because we don't, we, we kind of have that very self-defeating mindset when we don't have success for a number of years. So, mm-hmm. you know, trying to think about ways that we can, maybe it's journaling some additional gratitude, writing out and having a consistent plan. Um, I think that goes a long ways because you can't really have success unless you have some kind of a game plan to get there. So it could be on Sunday afternoons, writing out, what are you going to do for the week? What are the nights when we've got a bunch of kids activity so that you can build in a, a routine or a process to be successful. And that's going to help you on the mindset side of things as well, because you're not going into Monday morning going, I don't know how I'm going to be successful with my nutrition. Uh, forget it. I'm just going to go, you know, grab lunch and then grab takeout on the way home because, you know, I don't, I don't really know what I'm supposed to be doing. So, <laughs> excuse me, I think a plan, a plan goes a long ways to being able to just improve your overall, you know, outlook on your ability to be successful. Um, and then from there, I think just like going at it and, and attacking your nutrition, attacking your exercise in a, in a manageable way. So, you know, you hear all the time guys come in guns blazing with they're going to follow this really, really rigid plan. They're going to go ahead and they're going to work out four or five days a week. And it's just not sustainable. And you can imagine if you if you say I'm going to commit to working out four days a week and you only get there three. I mean, three is a hell of a lot better than zero. Mm-hmm. But you still feel like you've you still feel like you've failed in some capacity because you committed to four and you only made it to three. So being able to commit to something that is actually attainable, I think is really, really important from a mindset perspective. And again, going back to establishing that early momentum to be successful there. Um, Trying to think as far as, oh, um, and then I guess, you know, lastly, I don't even like the word cheat meals. Uh, I think, again, going back to the plan idea is 
if we have a plan and we know we're going to be going out with friends or we're going to have a date night on a Friday night with our wife is don't call it a cheat meal. Just say, I planned for this. I was successful with my nutrition. And so on Friday night, I'm going to go out, I'm going to eat whatever I want, and I'm going to split a bottle of wine with my wife. Now, is that optimal? Is that maybe slowing your progress a little bit? Sure. But that also builds in sustainability and eliminating that idea of it being like a cheat meal also takes mm-hmm. away the idea that you somehow failed versus I planned for this. This is what I'm doing tomorrow morning. I'm going to go right back to my system because that's what I plan to do this week. Um, and I think that carries over into vacations and to travel and all that as well as being able to enjoy life without feeling like you're somehow, you know, destroying yourself and, and having that negative outlook on, on the things that, and the behaviors that you're creating. I love all of that. Um, I would say, yeah, the whole cheat meal thing is something I go up and up and down with. Um, just curious if I were to come to you and say, Hey, listen, I I'm really good on my diet. I eat really well. I'm at the gym a lot, blah, blah, blah. Um, but I do know like when the holidays roll around or that Friday evening rolls around, we're going to dinner to the best restaurant in the area, stuff like that. Not only do I let loose, I probably over let loose because I know it's like my time to really enjoy myself. What's how can I work on my mindset before I go into that whole situation? Cause I'm not doing something right. Yeah. I think there's a couple different ways to attack that. So if you, if you know that about yourself, one of the things I would say is, you could either really load up on protein to start your day. So maybe you're front loading breakfast and lunch, and then you're going to a great dinner, but you don't necessarily need a five course meal where it's like, I'm pretty full still from, from lunch. So I know I'm going to have a couple of drinks and maybe I'm just going to pick up a couple appetizers and that's going to be my meal for the night. Um, or if you really know you don't have that self-control, maybe even skipping a meal. And so, yeah, maybe your protein count for the day, goes down a little bit, but you load up high protein, lower calorie breakfast, you're going to skip lunch and you're going to ride that all the way to dinner. And now it's like, okay, I'm going to, I know I'm going to overeat and maybe I'm going to overdrink too, but my calorie count isn't going to be completely out of hand. Mm. Um, and you know, it's, I think that's the hardest part for guys too, is not just while they're doing it, but then the next morning when they get on the scale and they're like, I'm up, I'm up five pounds. What's like, you didn't eat 15,000 calories last night, but you know, but you've had, you've had a bunch more carbs. You've got a lot more water retention. And so it's going to take your body a day or two to be able to kind of get back to normal. Um, but just, you know, ignoring the scale the day after, you know, it's, it's, it's a one data point, but if we're looking at that seven day average, then we don't necessarily have to worry so much about that blip on the radar where, yeah, you went off course for one meal and, and the scale, you know, obviously reflects that because we can get right back on track the next day. Yeah, that's definitely uh, one of my biggest issues, if you will, <laughs> is uh, knowing it's like, oh, I haven't been here in a while. I'm going to get this. I'm going to get that. It's delicious. I'm going to get dessert and we're going to get that. And I'm pushing through the the whole full markers. <laughs> like yeah. I'm full, but I'm pushing through it. I probably need to work on that. Um, I'm going to take some of that advice you just gave. And speaking of markers, we were just talking about the scale. What are some other markers of success that people should be looking at? Because I know the scale is a number. It goes up and down. Like you said, there's water retention. There's so many factors that go into a weight. What are some other things that we could be looking at to show progress? Yeah, so we really like having guys take like a a selfie, so to speak, uh, every week because, you know, 
if, if we're doing our job right and you're adding the lean muscle mass along with it, that's not necessarily going to be reflected in the scale week in and week out. But if you can look at, you know, a picture in the mirror from last week to this week, the scale might look exactly the same, but maybe now you've got a little ab poking out or you can see your chest is a little bit more defined. I think those are really good. Talk about mindset, just like reinforcing of this is working. I'm building some muscle mass and eventually I'm going to be able to leverage that long-term um, to burn some additional calories and, and get a bit more lean. And that'll definitely reflect in the scale, you know, four or five, six weeks from now. Um, so I like taking a picture every week and then also, you know, paying attention to, we had a guy the other day who his, I mean, his weight's trending down, but he sent us a side-by-side -side of him wearing a suit coat. And the, the first picture was almost like, um, like the Chris Farley kind of fat guy in a little coat thing. Yeah. And the very next picture was like four weeks later and noticeable difference where he's like, this coat is now passable for me where it's still a little snug, but I can go ahead and I can wear this. And, you know, if you look at the side-by-side -side pictures, you would have sworn, I think he's down 12 or 13 pounds since we started, but nice. the coat picture looks like he's down 30 pounds. Wow. So it's, I think things like that, the way your, you know, the way your, your shirts fit, uh, paying attention to your, this is probably the, maybe the most important one is your belt loops, because, you know, if we're addressing that visceral or that abdominal fat, you you could argue that's the most impactful thing on your overall health is just addressing that abdominal area, um, taking care of some of that fat. So I think uh, the, the belt tends to to give a pretty good indication of whether we're making progress or not. Yeah. Pictures are a powerful tool. Uh, if someone's being realistic about how long should they expect to wait to see like some actual progress? Cause I'm sure after one week, people are like, I don't see any difference or whatever, like to set people up for success. How long would you actually say it takes to see a little bit of progress? Sure. I mean, I think when it comes to things like energy levels, um, just the way you feel day in and day out, and then also paying attention to, you know, with, if it's resistance training, you know, how, how am I, what am I doing in the weight room? Am I starting to be able to feel, am I feeling stronger? Am I pushing a little bit more weight around having more control? Um, honestly, a couple of weeks and you should start seeing some kind of progress with, you know, one of those factors, whether it's strength, energy levels, um, weight. I mean, some guys, they respond because they eat so many processed carbs. Mm. They you start eliminating some of that stuff from the diet with cleaner options and the weight just kind of falls off of them over the first couple of weeks. So, yeah, I mean, I would say, you know, two weeks, you should be noticing something. And if you're not, then I would start to question those inputs a little bit because for the, for the vast majority of people, they have some low hanging fruit that if we clean it up, you're going to see results rather quickly. Um, and maybe we need to make some, you know, fine tune some things, but that's where, you know, if we can see what you're eating day in and day out, you're checking in with the scale every day. Um, it's pretty obvious whether we're moving in the right direction or not. Um, and then, yeah, some of those other, those other things, whether it's pant sizes, the way clothes are fitting, um, all of those things that you can be, you know, taking an inventory on to, uh, to kind of notice some other additional improvements along the way. So you just mentioned a couple of things. You mentioned fruit and you mentioned carbs. So give me a list of like some carbs that are actually good for you. Cause I think people are scared to intake carbs, especially when they're trying to lose weight. Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, there's not a, there's not really a bad carb, so to speak, as much as it is 
you know, some of a lot of its portions. I mean, we, we talk mm -hmm. a lot about things like potatoes. It's just a matter of most people have some level of insulin resistance going on. So if we have some insulin resistance and we're constantly fueling up with carbs, then that's going to put us in a position where our body's not going to want to burn fat. It's got those easy carbs kind of floating around, but, you know, sticking to sweet potatoes, regular potatoes. Um, and we like to kind of stay in that sort of half a potato range, just because it's a, it's a good proportion where you can still benefit around your workouts, you know, but maybe at dinner time you're going to come home and um, maybe you work out in the mornings. Maybe you don't need those carbs. Maybe we can give our body a little bit of a chance to take a rest because you're going to eat and then you're going to sit down and watch a ball game or you're going to watch Netflix. And so we're not really putting those carbs to use. So the idea of, of earning your carbs, I think is a, is a really good habit for those people who are just getting started because it, it sort of focuses us or has us focus on when are we taking in our carbs and are we actually utilizing these effectively? So, yeah, I mean, potatoes, I mean, even something as simple as a half a cup of rice is not the end of the world. If we're doing, you know, using it appropriately, you mentioned, um, you mentioned fruits again, there's, there are some fruits that are probably better than others. We like, you know, berries, we like some of those low, like lower glycemic foods, um, versus things like mangoes, which, you know, a lot more sugar, a lot more concentrated, and, you know, whereas like you can eat like a whole cup of berries for like 60 or 70 calories. So, mm -hmm. you know, quality fiber, especially when you throw it in with some Greek yogurt and, uh, you know, keep things moving along the way as well. So that we're still, you know, protein is going to digest slow, which is great, but it also digests slow. So we got to make sure we're finding a balancing act there. And I'm thinking of you getting some kind of like inside information on what people are actually eating every day so you probably actually could see it right before they kind of start tweaking what they're doing like when you look at this like how bad is it how bad are people's diets here in america is it as bad as i kind of think it is and perhaps what are some of the biggest culprits that people are like ingesting every day yeah it's it is pretty bad to be honest and and the thing about it is you know we we generally work with pretty successful guys, honestly, like they're, a lot of them are, are running businesses and are, you know, traveling salesmen, or they, they do a lot of, of great things when it comes to their profession. And so it's like, if that's what they're eating, um, what, what horrifies me is what are people that have a hard time affording food or have lower education? Like, what are they eating? And what are their mm -hmm. kids eating? Um, and so that's where I think it gets to be more and more concerning because, if you can see it at, you know, the highest level of, of guys that are generally doing pretty well when it comes to, to income and lifestyle and things like that, um, you know, that that's going to have exponential, even worse situations when it comes to people that, you know, have, have issues with affording food and, and poor education and things like that. So um, liquid calories are probably the biggest culprit, to be honest, you know, processed foods are, are kind of one B. But, you know, liquid calories are really setting a lot of people up for, for failure, um, whether that's the sweet cheese, the sodas, um, even, you know, things like coffee, where, you know, you're, you're drinking three or four coffees a day, which you could argue already is a problem. But then, you know, you're adding an additional, you know, 200 to 300 calories to each one of those. And it doesn't take long for things to add up. Things are so backwards here sometimes. I want to hit on that momentarily. Um, I know you just said children and you being a dad yourself. And like I said, I'm looking to become a dad 
hopefully soon. Um, how does how does that work for children? Like, how do you get your kids kind of in the right direction and at what age? And yeah, I want to hear just hear about how you handle the whole situation at home with your own children and when to feed them what foods, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, it's a work in progress. I'm not going to lie. Um, it's one of those things where I wish I could get them to, you know, eat high protein meals every single day. That's not going to happen. So what we've tried to do is whether it's, you know, burgers or steak or shrimp is at least put it on their plate on a consistent basis. And, you know, over time they see us eat it. And so they become a little bit more curious. So, you know, every once in a while you get a win where, you know, my daughter now she'll eat shrimp or I mentioned the Greek yogurt earlier where, you know, before the only yogurt they would have touched would have had to have a bunch of sugar and flavoring in it. Mm-hmm. And now, you know, I can, I can basically make it the same way I make it for myself and, and they still enjoy it. So I think just keeping, my wife always says, we got to keep a safe food on their plate all the time. So maybe it's chicken nuggets, maybe it's mac and cheese, maybe it's things that aren't great and you know, they're not great, but if you can you put that on the plate along with some other things that, you know, broccoli or shrimp or whatever, where they're going to just kind of sample it the first three or four times, tell you it's gross, but by like the fifth, sixth, seventh time, all of a sudden now they're more interested in eating it. So just, I think consistency is a big part of that um, versus taking kind of that path of least resistance and just throwing a bunch of stuff on their plate that, you know, you know, they're going to eat, but you also know is not going to be good for them. Um, because yeah, it's, it is a little bit frustrating when they won't eat it, but Mm -hmm. I think in time when they're, they're always seeing you eat this food again, that curiosity eventually, uh, sparks and then they kind of want to be like dad. They want to be like mom and, uh, just mirror our behaviors from there. Yeah. From your perspective, being a dad, why do kids think tasty foods are yucky? And I'm one of them. I grew up thinking broccoli was yucky. I eat it all the time now. I think it's good. And Brussels sprouts, I think they're freaking great when I see them on the menu. Is Why do they think, is their taste buds not there? Is it because, you know, when they eat with their friends, they're eating pizzas and stuff like they'd rather have that? Like, what influences that? Do you know? That's a great question. I mean, I do think that, you know, maybe it's just the way that, initially their, their taste buds probably do take a little bit more time to be able to acquire mm. some of those, especially vegetables and things like that. But I have to imagine all of the highly addictive foods that they're eating growing up aren't helping that, you know, whether that's again, uh, chicken nuggets or, you know, sodas, um, all of these very sweet things that they're exposed to. I mean, I, I never really realized early on until I became a little bit more, I think, observant of it you start looking at most kids' snacks and even the healthy ones are pretty horrifying, to be mm. honest. And, you know, the veggie straws and things like that, it, it's they're all marketed as being pretty healthy, but they're made to taste good and they're made to allow kids to eat a whole bunch of it and kind of want to come back for more. So it's, I'm sure there's, there's a part of that that's a bit of, for lack of a better word, kind of that uh, taste bud indoctrination that goes on. Mm. I can't wait till I'm faced with the challenge of getting them to eat healthy, but also getting them to intake calories. So they actually grow properly. (laughs) One of these days, I'll know what I'm just spitting out like future issues that I can see happening, but yeah, I'm just asking questions as they come into my head here. Um, So speaking of dads, like 
you kind of hit on this a little bit, but I just want to go down just a little bit more if you could. It's like when dads come to you and you're like, hey, listen, like my priority is my kids, it's my work, blah, blah, blah. I can't find time to do this. What's your advice when you say, hey, listen, no, you can find time, blah, blah, blah. What do you tell a dad when they say that? Yeah, I think honestly, it's, it is a bit of a priorities issue. And so when you start to, the nice thing is when they're serious about it, and they come to us and they're like, I've been using time as an excuse, but I realize it's an excuse. So once they once they come kind of full circle with that, then we can talk about what does your lifestyle look like? And so we spend a lot of time, you know, what time do you get up? What's what is your first meal? And really lay the foundation with nutrition first, because the reality is it doesn't take a lot of time to eat well. Mm -hmm. um, that is an excuse. There's no there's no doubt about that. But when we start to break it down for them and show them, you know, how easy it is to put a Greek yogurt bowl together, or, you know, if you have five minutes, you can make eggs, you know, the, all those little simple things that, you know, you start realizing time is not my issue here. And if I can build in an, an additional 15 minutes, 20 minutes a week to be, to get my nutrition where it belongs, then I can probably find another 45 minutes or a half an hour twice a week to do some resistance training too. Um, and that's, again, it goes back to realizing I don't need hours and hours and hours to be healthy. I just need to create a little bit of margin for myself. And that eventually allows me to, you know, be more productive with my work. So something that was taking me four or five hours is now only taking me two or three. And, mm. you know, now you've created that margin for everything else you need to do with your workouts too. I see you definitely take advantage of like the small wins, the small victories, the baby steps, let's get positive momentum going. I really do appreciate that. And another question that just came to my mind is, do you have to spend a lot of time unlearning things from people, especially the older people? You're laughing. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and and I think that was a big part of it for for both Brett and I too, was I was talking about traditional healthcare. Um, there is so much stuff that I, I, I put a thread out a couple of months ago on like the things I've unlearned that have mm -hmm. allowed me to be successful in this space because we're just conditioned so much, whether it's with general education. I talked about belief structure. I think, you know, we, we're almost conditioned to believe, going back to like the physical therapy world, I thought that was the only thing I could do for a number of years. And, you know, so I had to unlearn the idea that I could learn how to market. I could learn how to, to, to you know, sell something. Um, I could learn how to, you know, run my own business when, none of those skills were really given to me. I was basically taught how to do one thing. And, you know, I think that carries over into health too, is, you know, we, we've, we've learned that, I was talking about eggs earlier, we've learned mm -hmm. that cholesterol and red meat are bad. And we've learned that if they put organic on a label, it must be healthy. And so like all of these things that the general population just doesn't know enough about and doesn't have the time or the energy to be able to really learn it, um, so, you know, now thankfully there's a lot of people out there who are kind of pulling back the curtain on most of the stuff that, yeah, we were, we were taught, um, uh, for one reason or another, and we probably could spend a whole hour talking about this too. But I think once you realize all of it goes back to money, um, mm. everything makes a lot more sense. And even when it comes to our health and, you know, it's, it's a, it's a hard pill to swallow, but you know, when it comes right down to it, there's a lot of people making money off of people being sick and, there's not a lot of people making money off of a healthy population. So um, that that was kind of the, the big eye-opening moment for me was when I started looking at most global issues, and especially when it comes around food and 
and nutrition, there's a dollar sign at the end of most of those things. I want to hit on that in just one second. Um, I know you just said you made a list of things that uh, you unlearned. What's one or two like big ones that you would recommend to people to, to know? Yeah, I think uh, two things that I was talking about this earlier that, you know, your title, whether that's your educational degree or your job title, or whatever it is, does not define who you are or what mm. you can do. I think that's a huge one right now. And that's what's helped or what's held a lot of people back is it's it's basically created handcuffs for people where they're like, you know, I have all these sunken costs in my education that tell me I can this piece of paper says I can do this. So that's all I can do. And to be frank, it's BS. You know, it's, mm. it's just what, again, when you spend that kind of energy and that kind of time doing it, that's what you believe you're the only thing you're capable of. And you start to spend a little bit of time unpacking your interests and unpacking your goals and taking consistent action. Um, I don't want to be uh, on like the book readers too much, but there's a lot of people out there that are reading, you know, I read a book a month or I read a book a week. And it's like, what are you doing with that? Like, what are what actionable steps have you taken in your life versus you just continue to absorb knowledge? Um, and I know I was really guilty of this with with podcasts was, you know, I was in a bunch of debt and from from school. And, you know, so I'm listening to podcasts on financial you know, literacy and investing. And, you know, eventually that got into the health space as well. And it's like, I'm not doing anything with this information. Like I'm, I'm listening to hours and hours of it throughout the week, but it's not really getting me anywhere. Mm. Uh, and that eventually was, you know, kind of what led to what actionable steps can I take with the little bit of time that I have to move the needle towards something else. And uh, so, you know, for Brett and I, it was, we, we didn't feel necessarily comfortable doing things like this, talking to, to doing like a public speaking type of thing. So we just like started a podcast and we did like 20 or 25 episodes of it, of us just talking about, you know, cholesterol, talking about controlling your inputs and different things that we were interested in. And that really opened it, opened the door to where we are now. Um, and so we've just tried to lean into taking action and not getting into this idea of having to things, having to, to create perfection before we take action on it is it's just like, if you just go with it and are willing to learn as you go, you're going to be successful. Or at the very least, even if you fail, you're going to come out of it with a lot more skills than what you started with. So uh, I think that'd be number one. Um, and then, you know, I think from there, the idea, I kind of touched on this already, is just not being afraid to fail and not mm -hmm. being afraid to take risk is we live in a very successful country and it's not perfect. But if you fail horribly, you're not going to starve to death. You know, the risk, the risk associated with failure in this country is so small. You know, even if you lose everything, you're still going to be able to pick yourself back up and start over again. So it's, again, I just, I think we're very fortunate that we don't have, you know, all of these catastrophic risks in our lives right now. Um, and we just have to step out of our comfort zone a bit more often and realize that we can do that. I second that completely. It's just one thing I've kind of learned on my own in the last, I don't know, 10, 15 years is like failure isn't bad. It's you really learn a lot from failure to find the solution. And I don't know, I feel like maybe your kids are feeling the same way. I don't I feel like when I grew up, 
you were taught to win and like how to win and you weren't really taught how to fail and that failing is okay and it's actually there's a lot of benefit that comes from failure do you do you feel that's still an issue with society yeah definitely and you know i i did a little bit of of high school coaching a few years ago and what was i think demoralizing for me was to see not only do kids you know they want to win of course but they they don't even want to step in to try if that makes mm-hmm. sense it's not mm-hmm. even a matter of i'm only doing this to win it's I don't even want to put myself out there anymore to like potentially fail or expose myself at all. Um, and that that definitely concerns me because, I mean, I grew up with with three younger brothers. We competed in everything. And, you know, we 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 definitely failed, especially on the sports side of it. I wish I would have been taught to fail in other areas of my life a little bit more um, aside from athletics. But I think that's the glaring, you know the glaring weakness right now is we have parents who are afraid to fail and that's all that's doing is creating a, a younger generation of kids that aren't going to expose themselves to any risk at all. And you could argue that also creates this level of dependency too, where if you're not going to create, if you're not going to take risk and you're always going to choose safety, then you're going to be more willing to just accept, you know, whatever, whatever your school system tells you, whatever your employer tells you, whatever your government tells you, and you just, Take it because you're not going to step outside that comfort zone because that exposes you. Wow. All right. That's something I'm going to be aware of for sure is to actually take risks and try things. And like, like I said, failure is not a bad thing. It's just pointing you in the right direction or gives you an idea of what to change for the next time. Um, I'm going to kind of bring this full circle here. Something that you've kind of touched on a little bit is all about money. It comes down to money. Um, you can't turn the TV on anymore these days without freaking commercials with pharma and drugs. And the side effects are, <laughs> it's like, what the, who is taking this shit? Um, the question that I have here is from your knowledge and expertise is the knowledge that you have and many other like people in your position, preventative health coach and stuff like that have, um, is this intentionally withheld from people? It's hard to believe it's not, if I'm being honest. Um, yeah. Again, I think, you know, you start to peel back the curtains on it and it, it's really, whether it's, you know, evil or whether it's just driven by people that are very greedy, um, it, it's hard to say, but there's just, there's way too much out there right now um, across the board that just, you know, even things like, you know, we've had multiple clients who've come to us and they're basically trying to decide between Ozempic and working with us. And, mm. you know, for those, for those uh, listeners that don't know, Ozempic is basically the, the weight loss drug where you're going to be taking it and it, they're, they're selling you on it. It shrinks your, your, your fat cells. Well, what they don't tell you is it multiplies your fat cells. So it shrinks them, but then, you know, you come off of this drug and at that point, it's going to be a lot easier for you to put weight back on. So, it's just this dependency model. And if, if you think about it, what has been the most successful models when it comes to, you know, just driving companies these past few years, it's, it's those subscription models, whether it's Netflix, um, you know, companies like that, where they can create a product and then sell it to you repeatedly for a certain amount per month, where, you know, even like a, a gym membership is a great example of that, where you sign up for it. And it's so cheap and so inexpensive 
that you don't even really think about it being something that's coming out of your bill every single week or excuse me, every single month. And I think that's kind of the direction that you're trying to go with, whether it's, you know, these, these fat loss drugs or, you know, diabetes medications is it just becomes part of your accepted lifestyle. And when you don't see any opportunity to take control of your health on your own, then you're left to like, well, this is my only option. And if I don't take this, I'm going to gain weight. Or if I don't take this, I'm going to, my, my diabetes is going to get more out of control. So it's again, these, these subscription models that I think are going to become more and more widespread when it comes to big pharma. Um, and you kind of saw that with the vaccines too. I mean, it, you know, the first one, everybody was feeling that they had to go jump into. And by the time they got to number four, five, six, and seven, it was like, there's a few people starting to really question, like, what are we doing here? You know? Mm -hmm. Um, but you know, at that point, fear is a pretty powerful motivator. And when you can create fear and you can create dependency, then you can basically sell whatever you want at that point. Oof, I know you just hit on the vaccine and then you touched on Ozempic and whatnot. Another thing too is like, people don't know what, let's just say Ozempic. What's Ozempic going to do to you in 10 years, 15 years, 20 years, 30 right. years? No one has any idea. So yeah, sounds great. I'm going to take a pill and I'm going to lose weight. I, okay. I mean, that's, Great, but what else is it going to do to you? Is it going to like, kill off your lifespan? And plus, I don't know, maybe I'm just a little old school. Like, have a sense of pride, too, in how you got from A to B, right? Like, right. if you lose 10 pounds, I feel a hell of a lot better that I lost 10 pounds because I worked my ass off and popping a pill sitting down watching TV. Like, that's just, I don't know. It doesn't sit well with me. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, I think that goes to, we were talking about mindset earlier is, I think it gets really dangerous when you when you create this dependency model along with a whole lot of comfort. And when people are used to comfort, they don't like doing hard things and they're offered a solution that allows them to stay in their comfort zone, even if it's destroying their self-belief, destroying their metabolism, potentially their overall health 10 mm -hmm. years from now. Uh, I think that's where you get a large percentage of the population that's like, sign me up. I don't want to really work hard for this. Um, I don't have confidence in my ability to do this on my own. And so this is the direction I'm going to go with it. So, yeah, it's just, um, yeah, I think it, it really does go back to, there's gotta be more education on this. There's gotta be more people kind of yelling, yelling from the top of the mountain that this isn't the way to do it. And then creating more opportunities for people to have success that's sustainable because, you know, if you lose 30 pounds and then put it right back on, you know, mm -hmm. maybe if that happens two or three times over the course of a five-year span, Maybe at that point you feel like, yeah, I've got to go the Ozempic route because I've tried this other stuff and I've failed every single time. Mm. Well, Chris, this has been very insightful. Uh, I want you to please pub yourself where people can find you and work with you. I've asked you a lot of questions and I still want people to actually sign up to work with you because it is your career it is your life's mission and I fully support that. Um, so I appreciate you sharing so much knowledge and information on this episode, but I know you're filled with so much more and you've definitely shown why you're a pro in this area, why you're a coach. Your knowledge is amazing. I, said, I love having people on with the knowledge that you have. This is the stuff that changed people's lives forever for the good. Um, so like I said, please, where can people work with you? Where can people find you and follow you? Yeah, Ryan. And first of all, I, I appreciate the invite. It's been great talking with you and um, yeah, excited to continue to 
to kind of grow this friendship here going forward. Um, Absolutely. But uh, yeah, we're, we're, you can find Brett and I's uh, website at brother, brother, the number two, brother, you.com. Um, we're also both on Twitter. Uh, I'm at Chris Betcher nine. Um, he's at Brett Betcher one. And um, that's right now the only social media that we're, we're tied to. Um, but you know, a lot of our contents on there are linked to our, um, our website. And then if you're just interested in kind of understanding our story a little bit more, um, we also have a sign up for our newsletter, uh, which was called the Fit Fathers Weekly Flyer. So we put that out, try to give you guys actionable steps with health. Um, some of it may be more you know, related to flexibility. Uh, Brett put one out the other day on how to navigate travel with, um, you know, fast food restaurants. And it's tough. Believe it or, believe it or not, it, it's a challenge, but you can still, you know, work towards your goals, even if every once in a while that includes a fast food joint. So we try to give you guys as much free information as we can. And, um, you know, if you're looking for, for some additional help, uh, we run a community where we've, we've got between 50 and 60 guys right now that um, are working with us for six months. And uh, yeah, just that community is really, really impactful of just having like-minded men building together where, uh, yeah, we, we give you that daily accountability and customize everything along the way to fit your lifestyle. Amazing. All the links would be in the show notes. So if you don't remember what you just said, just scroll on down, click it, open it, follow. Um, Chris, before I let you go, any final words of advice for people that are struggling, don't know where to start, just feeling a little down, leave them with something good. What do we got? Yeah, I I think first and foremost, um, we were talking about reflecting earlier is just taking some time and, you know, unpacking where you are. Uh, something as simple as picking up a pen and paper and just starting to write down your goals um, and write down how you think you can get there. Um, and then, you know, spend 15, 20 minutes on a Sunday, write out your meals for the week. I think that's a, a really powerful tool where you have to have a plan to be successful. So um, it doesn't necessarily happen in the gym, but if you can, if you can plan out your nutrition, your meals, and just have a consistent way, where, as I said earlier, you know, 30 grams of protein per meal. I think that's a really good starting point, male or female, to be able to get to where you want to go. Um, and again, create that consistency, take some of the guesswork out with, with uh, breakfast and lunch, um, and still give yourself some margin as you work through the rest of the day. I think that's a great starting point and kind of everything else sort of builds on that. You're the man, Chris. You're the man for the job. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate the information. Like I said, social skin information, information that will change people's lives for the better, more energy, longevity, vitality. You want to help people, you know, strive in life, not just survive in life. So absolutely love it. Chris, thank you so much for joining me and come back anytime. There's so much more to talk about. Would love to, Ryan. Thanks awesome. again, man. And it's been, uh, been a pleasure chatting with you. Thanks, Chris. Appreciate it. shout out to Chris for joining me on this episode. He brought the knowledge as I knew he would. Chris, you're welcome back anytime. That was awesome. Love the conversation. Love the connection and the chemistry as well. 10 times Iron Man still blows me away. I'm scared to even do one. <laughs> but uh, you're a beast, Chris. I appreciate all the insight and you bring in such great knowledge to everybody and knowledge that we all should know to make our lives better. And speaking of knowledge, we all should know, please follow me 
on my pursuit of happiness at the pursuit of happiness podcast on Instagram. Subscribe to my podcast anywhere you can subscribe. Also leave a review, leave a rating. I truly appreciate that. Please share this episode in all episodes with friends and family. Sharing is caring. I love when you do that. I truly appreciate it. All right, and I'll catch you all next time on the Pursuit of Happiness podcast.